Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Revive Podcast. We're excited you're here. This podcast will include our Sunday morning Sunday school class, our worship night teachings, and an occasional fun interviews. I'm excited to share with you this week's episode. I would turn to me, or turn with me, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 1. Chapter 1. So, uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul wrote this book while he was in prison. Um, and so, just to give some context, uh, when Paul was, um, you know, doing ministry and when he was traveling to different churches, uh, he spent a good amount of time in Ephesus. He spent over two years in Ephesus, which is uh, the longest out of any of the other churches that he traveled to. And so, um, he's writing to this church, and you can imagine just the just the connection that he has with this church, the strong connection. Um, and one thing that's actually different uh, with the book of Ephesians is that, um, you know, in uh, some of his other letters, he addresses certain problems within the church. Uh, but in this letter in Ephesians, he doesn't really address any problems. Um, it's more so a letter of encouragement. Um, and so reading the book of Ephesians, it's very, it's a lot more applicable to us because we don't see that many problems um, within the church, but we can apply the encouragement that he brings to the Ephesians. Uh, So we're going to read verses 15 through 18. All right. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. All right, so we're going to stop there. And so my hope um, for this lesson um, is that we just learn uh, what to pray. We learn what to pray when we pray for believers and why we pray certain things. And so we're going to look at what Paul prays for uh, in this passage. So verses 15 through 16, they say, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul starts off with, for this reason. For this reason. So the first half of Ephesians, um, the first half of chapter 1, uh, Paul is talking about the spiritual blessings that we all receive in Christ. Um, he, ooh, that ain't good. Uh, he, mentioned thing, he mentions things like how we are chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, sealed by the Spirit. And so for this reason, Paul is thankful that the Ephesians get to take part in this because he's heard of their faith and their love, and he can't do anything else but thank God. Um, and so this makes me ask, why do we thank God? Like, what is the purpose of thanking God for things? Um, There was a long, long time ago, ages ago, when I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, I was back in my prime, as Jeremiah would say. Uh, And so I took this geometry class. And I love math. I love numbers. And, you know, in math, you have your problem and your solution, right? And to find the solution, you have a formula, right? And so you don't really know how the formula works. You just know it works, right? 
you just do it. You don't really ask why, you just know it works. And so in geometry, they introduced this, this dumb concept called theory, okay? And if you know what theory is, you know how much it sucks. Uh, <laughs> I see you nodding your head, Walker. Uh, and so what theory is, it's pretty much you have to explain why a certain formula works. You have to explain like why you get the answer. And so you have your problem, right? And you have your formula for the solution. And then you have to explain why it works. And in math, it shouldn't exist. It just shouldn't. But it made me think there's always a deeper meaning to things. And this helped me trans transition it to giving thanks. Because giving thanks, you know, it can be this, uh, it can be this legalistic thing that we do just because we've been told to do it. You know, like I was always told by mom and dad, hey, tell grandma and grandpa thank you. You know, like I don't really ask why. I don't ask what the reason is for giving thanks. We just, you know, we just kind of do it. Um, and it, so it made me ask, why do we give thanks? Um, so there's always a deeper meaning to this. And so one reason why Paul was thanking God for the Ephesians is by thanking God, he acknowledged God's work in their lives. He acknowledged God's work in their lives. Uh, so mind you, Paul was, you know, Paul was in Ephesus for, you know, over two years, right? He, he helped bring about the church. He built the foundation um, he made strong connections with people there, um, and the Holy Spirit worked through him while in Ephesus. But at the time he's writing this, it's like five years later, right? It's five years later, and he's in prison. But he hears of their faith and their love, and he can't do anything else but acknowledge that God is working and thanking God. He can't do anything else but thank God. So he thanks God, and he's acknowledging God's work in their lives. Another reason why he's thanking God for the Ephesians is because he's fostering unity within the body of Christ. He's fostering unity within the body of Christ. And so sometimes it can be hard to minister or to just be in community with people. Um, sometimes I don't get along with everybody, you know, and that's just how it is. Um, you know, and Paul heard a lot of things that were going wrong in a lot of these churches, right? Like he in a lot of his other letters, he had to address certain problems that were going on. And I can imagine, like, that's hard, right? But the first thing he did in each one of his letters is he thanked God for them. No matter the circumstance, Paul was thankful. And so Paul was unified with his fellow believers, um, with people from various churches, because he was thankful for them. He stayed thankful for them. Uh, let's look at verse 16. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I do not cease. So Paul has not stopped giving thanks for them. He's heard of their faith and their love. It's been five years since he's seen them, but he's heard of their faith and their love, and he's not stopped giving thanks. If we look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so, you know, rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, this doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we're to be praying every second of the day, you know? Like right when you wake up to when you go to bed, you need to be in prayer. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that it's rather, you know, it's rather looked at 
by having a constant attitude of prayer, by keeping an ongoing connection with God, by thanking God regardless of the circumstance, right? And, you know, the temptation for us um, is to be selfish and not to thank God, not to think of anybody else. Um, And when we do this, when we don't express gratitude for others, we create space for disunity. And so our lack of thankfulness towards other believers creates space for disunity, which is weird. And you may be asking yourself, why should we care about unity? You keep talking about unity. Move on from now. And so look at the last part of 1 Thessalonians. It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For this is the will of God. What is the will of God? Uh, if you look at Ephesians, 10, or Ephesians 1 verse 10 earlier in this chapter, Paul clearly states it. And he says, the will of God is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. To unite all things in him. So what do we just say the reasons were for thanking God? The reasons are to foster unity within the body of Christ so that we can be in unity, right? To acknowledge God's work in his, or to, call it, to acknowledge God's work in the lives of others, which as a result unifies us with God. And so it's all about unity. We thank God because it's all about unity. We're staying in unity with one another, and we are staying in unity with God. It's all about unity. That is why we thank God. Um, and so this, this begs the question, who are, you know, who are you thanking God for this semester? Who are we thanking God for? Um, whose faith in Jesus this semester has made you thankful? Uh, we've, you know, over the past semester, we've had a lot of people come to know Jesus. We've had, we've had a lot of people get baptized, and, you know, like, that's awesome, right? Like, that, like that's something to be thankful for, um, and it's something to, be, to continue to be thankful for, right? Like, I have friends that have given their life to Jesus, you know, a long time, like, a long time ago, and I continue to thank God for them, because that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to just brush over the fact that he, you know, he's worked then, and he's still working now, you know, and so, we want to stay in that attitude of thankfulness um, so that we can foster unity with each other and with God. All right, so we're going to look at verses 17 through 18. John didn't let me bring a water bottle up here because I drank it a lot last time. My mouth is dry. <laughs> All right, so verse 17 and 18. It reads that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And then it cuts off. There's actually three things in that prayer, but I'm not allowed to go over it. That's what John is doing next week. Uh, But, so, (laughs) so verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul prays that they would know God. Paul prays that they would know God more. That by the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, that they would know God. Uh, I think sometimes we can pray for these things. We want to pray for spirit of wisdom and of revelation. 
but we pray for them detached from the purpose of what we even obtain these things for in the first place, right? We don't obtain spirit, the wisdom, or the spirit of wisdom and of revelation just to have wisdom and revelation. We obtain these things. We want to obtain these things so that we would know God, and that's what Paul is praying for these people. He's praying that they would obtain the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that they would know God, not so that they could just have wisdom and revelation. We obtain these things in order that we know God. And knowing God is a core element in the Christian life. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so we want to know God as he says he is. We want to know God as he has revealed himself to us in Scripture. If we have this false idea of who God is, then we rob ourselves of the full potential that we could be experiencing with God. Now, do understand that, you know, our knowledge of God will never fully be figured out in this lifetime, and that's just how it is. Um, you know, our, our minds are not capable of understanding all that God is. God is so limitless, and that's just a concept that we can't really understand. But that does not mean that we can't know him more, right? And so the spirit of wisdom and revelation prays for these things. And so these are things that are something to be prayed for uh, because it takes something supernatural to obtain. We can't obtain these things on our own. Um, it's just not possible. And so if we look at 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 9 through 12, uh, Paul clearly states this. He says, in the first part, he's... Uh, He's quoting Isaiah. He says, But what, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So we pray for wisdom and for revelation because we can't obtain it on our own. Understanding God is not something that we can do on our own. God has to give us that understanding. And so Paul is praying that they would obtain these things in the knowledge of him so that they would know God more. The word knowledge in this book, it's a form of the ancient Greek word. Um, I'm not going to lie, I feel kind of cool putting some Greek in here. Uh, <laughs> the word knowledge, uh, it's a form of the ancient Greek word uh, called gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. Yes, I like that. I got control. Uh, <laughs> and so this word translates to knowledge by experience. Knowledge by experience. So to know God by experiencing him not just knowing about him. He prays that they would know God, not just know about him. I know about Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but I don't know Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know what I mean? He prays that they would truly know God, not just know about him, not just know facts, you know, about him, not just know these certain characteristics. Although those things are important, they come with knowing God from an experience, 
But if you only know facts about God, if you only know about God, like, there's so much more to it. And so my question for you is, how do you know God? Do you know about God, or do you know God from experience? Paul knows God by experience. He literally met him on the road to Damascus. He literally met him by experience. And so Paul prays that they would continue to grow in their experiential knowledge of God. Let's look at verse 18. It says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So Paul prays that their hearts would be enlightened. Well, be enlightened to what? I'll get into that. But, let's see where am I at? Oh, I lost my place. He prays that they'd be enlightened to the hope to which God has called them to, and that they would know what are the riches of God's glorious inheritance in them. So he prays that their hearts would be enlightened. And so I looked up the biblical definition of heart, and it says, the heart is that spiritual part of us where our emotions and desires dwell. Emotions and desires. That sounds a lot like the soul. Body, soul, spirit. The soul is... The mind, the will, which is desires and emotions. And so when we're born into this world, right, our hearts are naturally evil. We are in control of ourselves, selfishly in control. And so when we live in that authority position, when we are in control of leading our own lives, our soul can only be enlightened to the things that our flesh wants. And so in this transitions to the way that we live. Everything that we do traces back to self. Everything we do is ultimately for ourselves, and all of this causes brokenness and separation from God. However, we, you know, we've been given a gift by God. We've been given a gift, and God freely gives us all the opportunity to leave this broken way of living, but it requires us to give him our hearts. It requires us to give him control. It requires us to give him that authority position, Right? We've been in control, and we have to take ourselves out of that and give God that control. And so by giving God the authority in our lives, by placing him in that authority position, he begins to transform us. And he transforms us by giving us wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him, by enlightening us to his hope and the glorious inheritance that he has in his saints. And so Paul prays, that they would know these things. Praise that they would know the hope to which he has called us all to and the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints. How special is it to know that we are God's inheritance? That we are God's inheritance. Usually, you hear, you hear them flipped. You hear, you know, we've received an inheritance in God, which that's completely true. But Paul is saying something different. He says that we are God's inheritance. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Paul prays that they would understand that we are chosen. God has chosen us. 
he sees us as the inheritance, right? He sees us as the treasure, and that is something to be valued, right? He has called us to proclaim the excellencies of him. We are chosen for a purpose, the purpose of proclaiming excellencies. And so do you understand how valued you are in God's eyes? How God literally sees us as the treasure, which is, it's crazy because we are broken. We are messed up. And Paul is praying that the saints in Ephesus, that they would know this, that they are chosen by God, that they would be motivated by this, encouraged by this, so that they would proclaim the excellencies of God. Do you know how valued you are in God's eyes? And so Paul prays that they would be enlightened by these things. Um, in all of this, Paul prays all these things in order that they know God. It all goes back to knowing God. That they would understand these things of God and as a result, know him better. It's all about knowing God. The hope to which he's called us to and how valued we are in God's eyes. It's all about knowing God. And so, as I close out, uh, a question for you is, you know, who are we praying for? Who are you praying for? Um, you know, it's easy to just look at this prayer of Paul um, and just copy what he's saying. Just say, all right, God, I pray that Collier would uh, receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Amen. And like, we don't want to just copy the words. We want to understand why Paul is praying for these things, why we want to obtain the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know God, why we want to know the hope of our calling, why we want to know how valued we are. So who are we praying for? Who are you praying for? So in summary, there's three things that Paul prayed for and that we can take away. So first, we thank God for what he's doing in the lives of fellow believers, in the lives of our friends. We thank God. Always give thanks. Number two, that they would continue to grow in their experiential knowledge of God, that they would, of God, that they would truly know God and not just know about him, that they would experience God and not just know facts. And then the last one is that they would be enlightened to the fact that we are God's chosen people and he has chosen us to proclaim the excellencies of him. He has chosen us. He sees us as the treasure. And so Paul prays that they would know all of these things. And so, who are we praying for? Who are we praying for? I'm going to close this out in prayer. God, I just, uh, I thank you um, just for who you are, Lord. I thank you for choosing us. Lord, before the foundations of the earth, you chose us, um, and I thank you for that. I pray that we would not brush over that truth, um, but, God, that we would let that encourage us and motivate us, God. God, I thank you um, just for fellow believers and friends that we have, Lord, and uh, I just pray that we would continue to be thankful for these people, that we would not brush over um, what you're doing here and what you will be doing in the lives of each other. Uh, God, we love you. Uh, we pray for finals this week. Uh, pray that you would help us study hard and retain information. Um, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.